Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be entirely dedicated to reviewing the Bengals-Dolphins game. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Week 13 Game Review Miami Dolphins, 19 Cincinnati Bengals, 7 Man, it was a tough loss. We went up 7 nothing. I thought things were looking good. I actually thought we were going to win that game right from the beginning. And then the Dolphins started chipping away at the lead and started to come back. Halftime came, the bottom kind of fell out, so we ended up losing the game, and that's the way it flies. But we can't lose either way. If we win the game, we're all happy the Bengals have a win. If we lose, we're one step closer to Penny Sewell and getting this offensive line fixed. Three and a half hour game. I'll take it any day. It's like a cricket match. I've heard that they take like two, three days for a cricket match. I wish the Bengal games were like that because I could just watch it all day and all night. And then during the game, I was seeing on the bottom line that the Jaguars were beating the Vikings. And it got me thinking for a second, whoa, let's let the Jaguars win and we'll have second pick in the draft. And again, we'll probably end up taking the same player, but you have a little more leverage with that second pick than the third pick. Possibly a team comes up to trade and you still get your guy. You never know. So while it was happening, it opened my eyes to saying, hey, let's hope the Jaguars win a couple games. Hey, even the Jets, let them, let them both win out. I'll take first pick in the draft again. It's not an insult. It's something that we can use for leverage and to make this team better. Tough game on the injury front. Some of our most important players got injured. Jonah Williams, it looks like he's going to be out for the season. Brandon Allen took that really bad shot. The guy landed on him. I think it was the wind knocked out of him, but at the time, I thought he had some broken ribs. T. Higgins, he made that really excellent leap, and then he tweaked his hamstring a little bit. You love to see him go all out, though. Let's be real. Mackenzie Alexander, they're saying another possible concussion. That's a real tough one because he had one a few weeks back. I'm really crossing my fingers that it's not a second one. If it is, got to shut him down for a little bit. He's, he's going to be a valuable piece in our future. And I want to make sure that he's okay in the long term for his own sake and his own life. And Brandon Wilson appeared to tweak his hamstring again. I know he was coming in with a little bit of a sore hamstring. And I think he went out at some point in the game because it was bothering him. All right, so let's move on to the game flow and the coaching and the various things that happened in this game. So the Tyler Boyd fight and ejection was unfortunate. He really did get cheap shotted out of bounds, and the refs didn't see it. It always happens that way. They never see the guy who initiates it. They always see the retaliation. And that's why they threw the flag. At least Howard got ejected. Hopefully he'll get a fine too. You know, it's a shame that Boyd got put in that spot, but he's a fighter. He's not going to take anything from anybody, and I'm glad he stood up for himself. And then Mike Thomas, that was tough because the whole nation's looking at him like a villain, just like they used to at Vontez and Adam Jones. You remember that Steeler game? The coach grabbed Reggie Nelson's hair. You know, Joey Porter came on the field. It was them doing a whole bunch of dirty things, and we ended up looking like the villains. And unfortunately, Mike Thomas is getting pegged the same way for what he did. He beat the guy that was supposed to block him and was running downfield full speed, trying to make a play for his team against one of the best returners in the game. And on the first one, it was a clean hit. I know it was a hard hit. It was a vicious hit. It's tough when you see that. I know the guy was a little banged up when that happened. It happened that way because he was just running full speed and he timed it perfectly. The ball hit the guy's hands and he, and he hit him really hard. You know, similar to the Vontez hit on Antonio Brown. I know that hit was a little high. I'm not totally comparing these two, but it was the same thing. 
It was a player being in the right spot at exactly the right time with a lot of force, and the hit was more violent than the player intended. So on the first one, shouldn't have been a penalty on Mike Thomas. I know they're throwing those flags to protect players, so I get it. I'm not going to complain about it. The second one, same thing happened. He got down there so quickly, but he just got there too early. You know, he kind of lost his head for a minute. He's running, his adrenaline's pumping, trying to make a play, and just didn't take care of all the details and wait for the ball to hit the guy's hands. So, you know, I'm glad the punt returner's okay, and it's a shame that Mike Thomas is probably going to get fined and looked at differently across the NFL. And then the bench-clearing brawl. You don't see that often where the the other team runs over to your sideline, the coaching staff was on the field. I think a few more Dolphins should have been ejected for doing that. Even the coach. And I like Coach Flores, but, you know, he was in the wrong there, and I think he should have been ejected and or fined. You don't run across the field and try to fight the other team as a head coach, but, you know, whatever happened, happened. You know, it was a shame Sean Williams is in there sticking up for his team, and unfortunately he's going to get fined a game paycheck, which is going to be, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And all he was trying to do was stick up for his guys and defend the honor of his, his team and his players. And then you see Nick Cosgrove on the ground. It's rough when you see a coach or a trainer or, you know, a civilian out of uniform. So that wasn't cool to see. And then my friend Dean from Bengals Access posted a picture on social media and... It was a good spot by him because I didn't see it at the time. But unfortunately, our whole offensive line was sitting on the bench while this this was all happening. To see them all sitting on the bench like that, it's just you want to see your team get a little more motivated. And that's how Flores has those Dolphins playing. You know, a bunch of no-name guys on that defense really performing well and aggressively and acting as a team, acting as a unit. And, you know, I want to see a little more of that out of our guys. I'm not criticizing anybody. But it was tough to find that out after the fact that they didn't get involved. And then it was a chippy game. Like, I didn't think the Dolphins were a dirty team, but they did a few dirty things in that game. Obviously, the bench-clearing brawl, the things with Boyd, and then they had that really bad cheap shot on Brandon Allen. It was a new guy who came into the game, a linebacker, I guess, you know, trying to hustle. But, you know, the quarterback slide and hit him right in the head. And again, you want to see our players come to his defense a little more than they did. There was only one player who actually said something to the guy who made the hit. And guess who it was? Bobby Hart. So credit to him for getting involved and sticking up for his quarterback. You know, think about if someone did that to Mahomes. And then it was nice to come out of the gate strong. Tyler Boyd had that great touchdown. We were running the ball okay in the beginning. We were stopping the run. So everything was kind of going good in the first half. And then it happened again. We let up points right before the half. It's such a killer. It happens all the time. We have to figure out what's going on. I don't know if it's prevent defense, mental lapses, play calling, or the other team just wanting it more badly than us, because there it was. They scored three points right before the half, and then they scored points on the first drive of the third quarter, so that's like a 10-point swing right there, and that can change a game and, and definitely put you on the track to losing. And then I always like to analyze our first drive out of the gate for the third quarter, and this time, you know, they had a good plan. Geo had a run, so, you know, you're trying to get time of possession, establish the run, keep the run pass mix. I like the first play. But unfortunately, Michael Jordan and Jonah Williams got beat, and Gio got hit for like a three-yard loss. So negative play on the first play right out of the gate. And then the second play, clever idea. They threw to Mason Shrek. So I get the strategy there of trying to confuse him with a guy that hasn't gotten the ball yet. Unfortunately, he had a drop on that play. So now that's two negative plays, not really on the play calling at that point, but on the execution. Then the third down on that first drive of the second half. Kind of in trouble, not that much time to throw. Dumps it off to Sample for a nominal gain. Puts us in a better position to punt. So again, that first drive of the third quarter, you want to be successful coming out of the locker room, and we weren't. And it kind of set the tone for the second half and ended up in a loss for us. 
Then their coordinators got the edge on us for the second half. You know, they made the adjustments that they had to make. They got their pass rush going. They got their run game going. So they did the things they needed to do, and we kind of went backwards in the second half. So, again, it's a matter of making those adjustments at halftime and getting yourself in position to win that game. And we didn't do that in this game, unfortunately. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit better clock management at the end. We were down by two scores. There were still a couple minutes left, and we let a lot of time tick off where I think we could have been a little more urgent. All right, so let's move on to the offense. The good things on the offense, T. Higgins continues to play well. Had a bunch of receptions early in the game. Excellent job as a rookie. I mean, he is going to be a superstar, and he's turning into that already. It's, it's so fun to watch him play. He's definitely one of the bright spots on the roster this year. Tyler Boyd with the 72-yard touchdown. They were just kind of going for the first down, and he got a nice block from Sample. Started running downfield. They couldn't catch him, and I like what he did at the end of that play. A lot of times, a player will just straight line it to the end zone and eventually get caught from behind by one of those quick defensive backs. But what he did is he angled in, he veered to the inside, then he veered back to the outside, and that little move ensured that he wasn't going to get caught, and he got in the end zone. So very clever. I like to see players do that more. And Tyler Boyd just continues to impress us. And the wide receiver blocking. You know, you have Boyd and Higgins, two very valuable offensive players. And they're sticking their nose in there. A lot of blocks in the run game, blocking for other receivers. You like to see that. That's a complete player. Drew Sample, seven catches, 49 yards. Had a great block on Boyd's touchdown. And you saw, when he had that ball, he learned from last week's fumble. Ball security was top-notch. He wasn't giving up that ball when it was in his hands. So it's good to see a player make the adjustments, because we all make mistakes. Everyone's going to fumble. Everyone's going to have an incomplete pass or an interception now and then. And obviously, he made a mistake last game by not having the ball security, but he totally fixed that every time he touched the ball this game. So great job on Drew Sample's part. Quentin Spain continues to impress. He is the best offensive lineman that we have. There was one run early in the game where he pulled and he just wiped out his guy and set the tone for Gio getting a nice gain. And he didn't give up any pressures to my recollection. He's definitely a piece that I want to build around on that offensive line moving forward. And Brandon Allen, you know, he's moving the ball. He's looking like a pro. The arm strength is a little bit less than, you know, obviously what Joe Burrow has and some of the other guys around the league. A couple of the balls were taking a little longer to get to the receivers and giving the defenders a chance at getting them. But you know what? I'm happy with the way he's playing. You know, he's playing smart. He's taking control of the offense. He is moving the ball. So if he continues on this road, he could be our backup of the future. And Ryan Finley came in. He was 6 for 7. You know, five of them were checkdowns, but at least he's getting the ball out and, you know, putting it in players' hands. He had the one pass to Higgins downfield, which was a nice play. And then he had the one bad throw, was that interception where he kind of threw it, he kind of forced it into traffic and the ball got popped up in the air for an interception. So, you know, we'll see how he progresses over the year. I know he's fighting for his NFL life at this point. You know, if these guys keep getting hit like they're getting hit, he's going to find himself getting more playing time this year. All right, as far as the bad goes, we know it was the offensive line. They were holding up in the first half pretty much. The second half, it was like a jailbreak on every play. And it wasn't just one guy, it was everybody. You know, Hart played a good game, but he had a couple mistakes, and one of them resulted in a turnover. You know, Jonah was struggling for the second straight week before he got hurt. I hate to see that, because he was a player that was on the rise this year. Hopkins had a rough game. Adenogy was the guy who let up the hit on Allen. I know it's tough coming into the game cold, and, you know, I'm not going to fault him totally, but that he was there on that play. So, like I said, there was enough blame to spread around. And Michael Jordan continues to struggle. At this point, I think it might be best to leave him on the bench for his own mindset. You know, let him watch, let him get better, let him get stronger. 
It's just he's making a lot of mistakes. It's it's kind of like Cedric Obwehi from the old days who who killed us for a couple seasons. And, you know, Michael Jordan's losing his confidence out there, and it's showing in his play. And I just don't want to see any of our quarterbacks or running backs get hurt because of missed blocks. And so I, I just think it might be best for him to just, you know, take a step aside, evaluate what's going on, attempt to get better, and we'll see what his future brings as a Bengal. They put in Suofilo at the end because of Jordan's struggles, and he, you know, he did it right when he was in there. But, you know, where's Billy Price? Give Billy Price a chance. Suofilo's still nursing that ankle, not back to 100%. So another byproduct of the offensive line is we weren't getting any push to help the running game. So Geo's stats suffered in this game, and you know we couldn't get anything going there. It became a little more one-dimensional, and they just started teeing off on the quarterbacks. And then the last thing, as far as the offense goes, would be A.J. Green. I want to see him get more targets at least. It's, I just can't believe he's going multiple games with no receptions. I'm just not accepting that he had that much of a drop-off in his skills where he's not getting open at all. You have to find a way to get the ball in his hands. He's a playmaker. He might be a catalyst for getting things going. We are banged up at the position. He's an all-time great and a leader on a silent leader on this team. Just want to see him get more involved. And he was frustrated on that one play. You know, they Brandon Allen threw it into double coverage kind of behind AJ. It was a total miscommunication. And you saw it on AJ's body language that he wasn't happy with that. And you hate to see it. All right, on to the defense. So the good with the defense is we only let up one touchdown and 19 points. That's two weeks in a row of only letting up 19, and that's good enough to win games. So they've done their job. You know, there's been some mistakes here and there, some yardage given up, but overall, the defense has kept us in these last two games. The rookie linebackers are exciting and playing well. Logan Wilson is just getting better and better by the week, playing fast out there, making some plays. So I'm very happy that we have him. I think he's going to be something for the long term that's going to help contribute to a lot of wins. Akeem Davis-Gaither made that great play at the goal line, and he's hustling in there on special teams. So he's been a positive as well. And even Marcus Bailey got a couple snaps at the end. I don't know if anybody caught that, but it was good to see in a game that was kind of lost at that point. And he was hustling. Jesse Bates continues on that all-pro season that he's having. Overall, a good game in coverage and tackling, very active, and then he had the hustle play. You see the running back, Gaskin, just running down the field, uh, we're going to get blown away. All of a sudden, Bates comes from behind, knocks that ball out, great play. And then Von Bell picks it up and takes it the other way. Because the offense was struggling so much, I kind of wish that he would have scored on it, but he did bring the ball out to the 50. And Von Bell had another good game. Obviously, his tackling, we keep talking about it, it is just top-notch. He had that one big hit on Tua, which is almost a game-changer. But the player of the game for us defensively was William Jackson. He had three passes defensed in the end zone. Big plays. I mean, that stops them from scoring. He limited Parker for almost the whole day. I know he had the two pass interferences, but he was just playing hard and aggressive. So another standout game for William Jackson. That's two, He's having a decent season, but he had two really good games in a row. I hope it continues because we're going to need him for the long term. You want to have quality corners out there and limit the passing game of the NFL, which, you know, everyone's just throwing the ball all over the place. And then Sam Hubbard was very active in the run defense. It was nice to see. He was all over the field, made a lot of tackles, a lot of plays, some stops in the backfield, really did his job on the edge this game. Regarding the bad for the defense, I would have liked to have seen some more pressure. You know, Hubbard had a great game in the run D. I would have liked to see a little more pressure in the pass defense. And Lawson was quiet again this game. I'm pulling for those two guys. It looks like they're going to be here for the long term at defensive end and you want to see some solid production, you want to see them getting to the quarterback constantly. So, you know, we have a few more weeks to see how that plays out. 
and then we can assess our needs at that position in the offseason. And LaShawn Sims is struggling a little bit. They keep going after him. He almost got beat on that deep pass to Grant. We're kind of lucky that Grant dropped it. You know, and he missed a tackle on one run that turned into like a, a much longer run than it should have. And then, unfortunately, I called it Mike Gesicki, Jersey guy, fast tight end, just like Evan Ingram, really did a number on us this game. And in the first half, we kind of shut him down. I don't know if that was by design on Chan Gailey's part, if they were kind of just going to hide him for the first half and then bust him out in the second half, or if when they made the halftime adjustments, they saw some things and said, well, we can really get this guy going in the second half. So when I rewatched the game, I decided to track his catches and just see who was covering him and what was going wrong and how he broke out so much. And you can't pin it on one guy. So here they are, if I can run through the list real quick. He had the touchdown on LaShawn Sims, and actually it was pretty good coverage, but he's a 6'6 guy, and he high-pointed Sims and made the play, so Sims got beat on that one. He beat Bates when Bates was covering him one time. He beat Bell on -on one-on-one coverage. There was one play where Bynes was on him one-on-one, and he beat him. One of my favorites, Mackenzie Alexander, he got him for two receptions. He got William Jackson for a reception. And then there was a couple plays where it was a zone situation. One, he caught one in between Pratt and Bynes. One, he caught one in between Bell and Bates. He kind of paid for that one because Bell tagged him. I'm surprised he came back into the game. So when you look at that, I just wanted to see what happened. And it was just kind of across the board. He just basically beat anyone who was on him. And it was unfortunate for us because it really contributed to them moving the ball. And it contributed to Tua's numbers. Tua was struggling in that first half. And then when they opened up the floodgates with Gesicki and they got things going, you know, it made it look like Tua had a much better day than he actually did. Then on to special teams, Kevin Huber, another outstanding performance. I believe it was 49 and a half yards per punt. You know, those are field position changers. So he continues to have a phenomenal season. Hoping that they re-sign him in the offseason. I can't see them not because we're going to need him for the long term when we're starting to fight for these championships. And the special team's coverage was really good once again. Stanley Morgan just plays his tail off every time he's out there. Brandon Wilson, in addition to the returns, is always making tackles on special teams. And Mike Thomas showed that he can be a gunner. You know, I, I know he made the one mistake, but he was really performing well in there. And unfortunately, the Dolphins, their punter and kicker, both had great games. There was one play, the punter punted it from like inside the 10. I was thinking we were going to get the ball at the 50 or beyond and really set us up for a score. The guy punted it to like the 30-yard line, so a real game-changer there. And their kicker hit all of his kicks, including four field goals. So normally we're the team that wins on special teams, and they did come in, I think, ranked first or near the top, and it showed. You know, their special teams really, really did a good job this game. All right, so that's it. We put the loss behind us. We're a step closer to getting Penny Sewell. We have four more Bengal games left to enjoy, so bring them on. You know, let's let's go out there. Let's beat the Cowboys. Let's make it really tough on the Steelers, play a nice physical game. Let's corral those Texans, and let's knock the Ravens out of playoff contention in the last week. So there's a lot of things that can happen in these four games. It's fun to play two divisional rivals, and it's fun to play when you have nothing to lose. And again... We're going to hit that long break where there's no Cincinnati Bengals football, so enjoy it while it's here. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a preview of the Bengals-Cowboys game. We're going to have Chris Del Gordio, a Cowboys specialist, come in to talk about the Cowboys. Tom McLevy's going to stop in for another McLevy minute. And Sands is going to come by with his expert football analysis as well. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you guys should check out. 
And I'd also like to thank the Zedian Network, the network responsible for bringing you the unofficial Bengals podcast. You can find them at Zedian Network on Instagram or Twitter, and Zedia is just like the word media, only with a Z. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.